They are ancient words. The average Christian prays them every week in worship, and perhaps you pray them on your own. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The words roll out with rhythm, like they have been written on our hearts from the beginning of time. They are spoken in every language, sung to many tunes. This Lent, at Second Presbyterian Church, we're taking our time with the Lord's Prayer, breaking it down week by week in a sermon series called Pray Then in This Way. May this experience help you more fully embrace the prayer we already love. Let us pray. Holy God, may the proclamation of your word, as it is read in scripture, preached in sermon, and enacted in sacrament, bring glory to your name, so that we might see in these human words and actions a glimpse of who you are. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands before they eat. (laughs) He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that whoever tells father or mother whatever support you might have had from me is given to God, then that person need not honor the Father. So for the sake of your tradition, you make void the word of God. You hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied rightly about you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. Then he called the crowd to him and he said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. It's not a word that we use very often. With the exception of the Lord's Prayer, and I guess Halloween, or if you're reading Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, when is the last time you used the word hallowed in casual conversation? But when we pray it in the Lord's Prayer, even if we don't use the word very often, I think it's not hard to feel what it means. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your name be made holy. May your name be honored. May your name be given the weight and significance it deserves in my life, in their lives, in the world. 
God, may your name be glorified so that everyone can see you for who you are. Hallowed be thy name. Names in scripture carry with them a great significance. And the name of God, especially in the Old Testament, is honored above all others because God is honored above all others. When Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord, he begs to know God's name. When Moses meets God in the burning bush, he asks, what name am I supposed to call you by? And God says, I am who I am. And that's God's name. It's a verb. It's being. It's life. And the name is so holy, people wouldn't even say it. In the Hebrew Bible, the name of God, when it's written down, is indicated by the consonants. But the vowels are written differently. So that if you're reading it out loud, it's like a cue not to speak the name of God. Instead, you say, Adonai, my Lord, because the name is so holy, we wouldn't want to say it. So we can avoid ever using it in a way that doesn't reflect the glory and honor and weight it deserves. The third commandment urges, don't use the Lord's name in vain. Don't apply God's name to anything that isn't completely in line with God's character. Make God's name holy. It's understood that it is a human responsibility to participate in the making holy of God's name. So when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he tells them to pray that God's name will be hallowed, he's speaking out of a rich tradition, a history, out of years and years of religious and communal tradition centered around the holiness of God's name. But as you probably know, Jesus' relationship with tradition was sort of hot and cold. Take our passage from Matthew 15, for example. Jesus and his disciples are in Galilee, just after he fed the 5,000 and walked on water, and the Pharisees in Jerusalem are getting nervous about the movement he started, and so they travel all the way over from Jerusalem to ask him this very important question, Jesus, how come your disciples don't wash their hands before dinner? And just to be clear, the Pharisees aren't really asking a question about hygiene here. Nobody should be using this passage to argue that Jesus says you don't need to wash your hands. Mm-mm, no. Be mindful of the health of your brothers and sisters and wash your hands. But that's, that's not what the Pharisees are talking about. They're talking about a tradition, about ritual hand washing that the law specified only for certain people, for priests, but the religious elite had made into sort of a test for common people, an easy signal to show, look, I follow the rules. So really, the Pharisees are asking an important question. 
And it's probably a question that the church today can relate to. They look at this new, young, idealistic movement, and it makes them feel worried about what they have already and the things that they value. They're asking, Jesus, why doesn't your movement fit into our framework of tradition? And Jesus is wise, because that's the question he responds to. He sidesteps the hand-washing debate, and he says, well, look, you follow tradition, sure, but in your quest to follow tradition, you've left the heart of God's law behind. How are you claiming to support God's law when you refuse to provide for your own parents? Your traditions don't mean anything if you're using them as an excuse not to care for the people around you. Isaiah was right. You're paying lip service. You say the right things, but your words are a facade that covers up for a heart that is not centered on the values of God. It's not your traditions that make you right with God. Traditions are meant to be a sign of a heart and a life that is already aligned with God's will. I think what Jesus is saying here is that if you want to do your part to make God's name holy, you can't just say things that sound holy. You can't even just do things that look holy. If your holy words and your holy actions look good on the surface, but don't at their heart promote peace, justice, and the welfare of your neighbors, then what have you done really for God's name? How have you helped the world see God? A friend of mine, a pastor who I'm studying with at Columbia Theological Seminary, told us the story of a renovation project that had taken place at his church not long before he started working there. He told us this story um, about how they built the building. The congregation had a bunch of fairly handy people who were part of their group, and so they did as much of the building work as they could themselves, including the ramp that they built up to the sanctuary to make the building handicap accessible. A funny thing about this ramp, though, is that although it led up smoothly from the sidewalk, it led right up to a step that you had to climb over in order to make it into the sanctuary, which of course defeated the whole entire purpose. From a distance, the church looked like it had done the work to make their building accessible to all. But in reality, they'd missed the point of why the ramp was there in the first place. Our weekly petition hallowed be thy name, can be hollow. It gets empty if it doesn't go all the way. 
if it isn't accompanied by other words and other actions, a true and deep desire of the heart to live in accordance with God's will and God's love in all aspects of our lives. I'll be the first one to tell you I love tradition. I eat the same thing for breakfast every single morning. I still make my family sing the same Christmas songs before we open our Christmas presents that we've sung since I was a child. I love the rhythms and patterns of a church service that I know by heart. And I don't think even Jesus would tell the Pharisees that their traditions are bad. Tradition is good and beautiful when it points us towards the heart of God. But tradition alone is not what makes God's name holy. What Jesus is talking about in this passage is the alignment of our hearts and our intentions and our words and our actions, the alignment of our will, the alignment of our love with the will and love of God. When we are patient, when we are kind, when we put the needs of our neighbors above our own, that is how we make God's name holy. The thing that I love about the placement of this story we read from Matthew is that after Jesus has this conversation with the Pharisees and the disciples, after he explains that glorifying God isn't just about traditions and following the rules, Jesus' own love for tradition, for the rules, gets tested too. Right after this conversation, he's going to travel down the road to Tyre and Sidon, and he'll have a run-in with a Canaanite woman So immediately, we're cued in that this is someone who definitely doesn't fit into a traditional understanding of a person who belongs to God. Even still, she's begging that Jesus heal her daughter because she believes that Jesus is about healing. And he pushes back at first. But she keeps after him. She begs. And in one of the only instances in Scripture, Jesus changes his mind. He heals the woman's daughter because he recognizes the depth of her faith. And he recognizes that some things are more important than the way it's always been done. And after this moment, great crowds follow after him. And you know what they do? They start praising God. Hallowed be thy name. There's a verse of the hymn, Child of Blessing, Child of Promise. The hymn we just sang a verse of before we baptized baby Hank. It's verse three. It says, Child of joy, our dearest treasure. God's you are, from God you came. Back to God we humbly give you. Live as one who bears Christ's name. I love that. In your baptism, you are called to live as one who bears Christ's name. One who makes God's name holy. So we can say it in our prayers, hallowed be thy name. 
We can say it with our worship, with our church building, with our music, with our traditions that draw us together and to God, hallowed be thy name. But we also have to say it with our lives in the way that we listen deeply and are willing to be moved by people who disagree with us. Hallowed be thy name. In the way that we stick with each other when things get tough. Hallowed be thy name. In the way that we respond with faith and patience in the face of widespread fear and panic. Hallowed be thy name. In the way we give generously, sacrificially of our hearts and our money and our time. Hallowed be thy name. In the way that we prioritize the needs of the vulnerable over our own personal gain, hallowed be thy name. Showing the world what God is like. That is the highest tradition of the church. So we pray in our heart, in our lives, in our minds, in our will, in our love. God, hallowed be thy name. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.